New to Formula One? Or just as obsessed as we are? Welcome back to another episode of Formation Lab. Where we teach you all the dirty details that you need to know to be the best Formula One fan that you can be. You are live with the Hornsby sisters. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. Alright everyone, 2020 is officially in the books, and before we start putting all of our focus on 2022, we wanted to do a quick recap of the second half of the season. If you want a quick refresher of the first half, we recommend you check out our episode titled 2021 Season Recap Part 1 that walks you through the season up until the Italian Grand Prix in Monza. And without further ado, let's look back on the second half of the season the last final races and say good night to the 2021 season. Okay, Katie, let's get it started with our team in last place, but potentially first place in our heart, Haas Ferrari. I don't know if they're first place in my heart. That's why I said potentially. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the rookie years of Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. So the whole goal of the season were for these rookies these brand newbies to formula one to basically learn how to even formula one <laughs> did did nikita mazepin actually learn a formula one though i think we're still working on that one honestly so i think mick schumacher got comfortable with being in formula one i'm not sure if Nikita's there yet. Well, we do know that Haas this year did not spend any money developing their car. They spent it all on the 2022 car, which I'm not going to lie, was probably a good play by Haas. They really struggled to understand the pace of the car all week. They had issues with driving the car. They had some chassis that were not really up to speed. I know at some point towards the end of the season, Nikita's father paid for another chassis for Nikita because he didn't like the one he had or I believe there were some complications as well so daddy's money <laughs> <laughs> we all like I will say what's kind of cool about talking about the Haskar is that Schumacher's race engineer Gary Gannon has made it very clear that it's kind of hard that we're all judging Haas as being such a shit and judging Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin on their rookie year because I mean, the car is just that hard to drive. So it's really, this year is not a real indicator of what they're going to be able to do in Formula One. I know Katie and I have some hope that they're going to have a little bit more oomph next year, especially considering we know that that Ferrari engine is starting to look good. Yeah, I mean, we saw it. Mick Schumacher had his best finish P12 due to six DNFs. And Nikita had his best finish as P14 due to four DNF. So the only way that they are really doing that well is because other drivers have been knocked out of races or could not continue. So we truly have no idea how good these drivers could be because we haven't they haven't been given the car that allows them to show what they're able to do. Hey, before we hate too much on Mick Schumacher's P12, we have to remember that was at Hungary where we did see him. We did see a Haas battle a Red Bull and we even had Red Bull being like, not bad if you have half a car <laughs> on the radio. So there were some glimmers of moments from Schumacher where we definitely saw that he he has the knowledge. He has the race management in him. I think if he just had a better car, he would be a better driver. The whole season we really saw... Nikita and Mick 
facing each other. We didn't really see them battle anyone else other than that one time with the Red Bull. If we look at them in comparison of the 14 races where both of the cars finished, Schumacher was higher 78% of the time in 11 of the 14 races. It's easy for me to say that out of the two of them, Schumacher is our star of Haas, and I'm sure that was very obvious to most. I mean, it was 100% obvious to me. Hell, Nikita Mazepin is literally ranked behind Kubica, who raced in only two races. Um, A lot of people have asked why that is, and I did actually a lot of research because at first I was even confused about that, and it turns out that if... You're horrible, like they are, and don't score points (laughs) in any of your races. It's based on whoever scored higher in the races that you raced against. So Robert Kubica scored P14th when Mazepin DNF'd in Italy, and then in the Netherlands, where Kubica again stepped in for Kimi Raikkonen, who had COVID, Kubica finished P15, where Mazepin DNF'd. So that's technically why Kubica is P20 in the driver's standings, and Nikita Mazepin is 21. I can't even say that without laughing. Like, it's sorry. I'm so sorry. We know I don't like him. It's gross, honestly. It's just, it's disappointing that someone who's only raced in two races is ranked higher than you. Like, excuse me? You've had 22 chances to show us what you can do, and the best you can do is be in spot 21. Daddy's money. All right, you mentioned Kimmy, and I think that's the perfect segue to move on to Alfa Romeo. Absolutely. I mean, we've said it we've said it sometimes. I'm gonna say it again. I am distraught that we are no longer going to have the Iceman Kimmy Raikkonen. I don't even think we'll ever see him again. I've been telling people that. I'm like, he's gone, gone. Like we never are gonna see him again. No, and he's off in like the Maldives or some shit. He I saw a video of him today running down a uh, water slide into the ocean. And so I think that's all we're going to get is just <laughs> him traveling the world with his family. And that's through his wife's Instagram. That's all we're going to get from from Kimmy. Did I shed a tear and have to take like a three-minute moment of silence alone this week when I saw all of the pictures that his Instagram has been changed to retired? I can't even say it now. Like, it's just, okay, he's bi. Like, bye. It's heartbreaking. Like, I, I can't believe he got old and left. Like, how rude. I thought he'd be around forever. Like, how absolutely rude. I thought he would just... I honestly thought that, that he would be a 75-year-old man racing in Formula One. Like, he would just be there for forever on Alfa Romeo. <laughs> um, we also do have to say goodbye to Antonio Giovinazzi. I don't think we've seen the end of him, and I'm literally getting into Formula E because of Amen. him. I mean, Italian Jesus... I, I'm I'm a Miss Italian Jesus, and really, I'm a Miss Italian Jesus always posting those cycling photos. Yeah, Megan loves the cycling photos. I prefer the um, hair down walking out of the paddock photos, but Megan has something about those cycling photos. <laughs> Which is weird because I think bike shorts are weird. <laughs> on men, on men, on men. <laughs> yeah, anyway... Antonio Giovinazzi had his best finish in P9 at Saudi, and he ended up scoring all of three points for the team, ranking an 18th in the Drivers' Championship. I can't believe I'm bringing it up, but they both DNF'd in the last race of the season. That was probably the hardest point of the whole entire season for Alfa Romeo was 
it's the last race for both of your drivers and you can't even get their car to the finish line. I had this horrible thought like about mm, three and a half minutes before lights out and away we go. Right about the formulation lap that was starting. I was like, how great would it be if like Giovinazzi got a podium today? Could you imagine? I bet everyone would be like, damn, where did that come from? And why are we just seeing it now? Oh, gosh. I, I, I just wanted it for him. I knew it wasn't going to happen. But I was like, I mean, who knows what's going to happen today? <laughs> A girl can dream. A girl can dream. We did say goodbye to Kimi Raikkonen, who he unfortunately also DNF'd at Abu Dhabi. But his best finishes this year were P8 at both Russia and Mexico. I will say it was very sad for me to miss having a full 22 races of Kimi due to COVID, especially at Monza because Italy, I wanted him to race there. It's it's Monza and it's Italy. And he spent so much of his career with Italian racing company, uh, racing team. So uh, we said goodbye to both of them, but I'll be interested to see Botas next year and um, Zhao, who was this week out practicing. So we did get a glimpse of him practicing with Valtteri. Yeah, and Valtteri had a very, very seasonally appropriate helmet with little Christmas icons all over it. And I thought that was so cute, so I had to mention it. I mean, we're going to talk about him later, but I also would like to mention that his like love of ice hockey in the off season has me like oh I, I, I feel like I need to try to stream a, a Valtteri Botas playing ice hockey game I don't know how that's possible <laughs> but I'm gonna find one on the internet <laughs> DM DM me a link um I'm also willing to like fly to Finland and try to play with him I think it'd be really cool <laughs> I'll break out my skates <laughs> Okay, but speaking of Valtteri, I want to segue into Williams because George Russell and Valtteri had a little run-in in Imola, and I actually just rewatched the video of that, which was kind of out of character for George, but he had a phenomenal season. George Russell, uh, I'm not going to say phenomenal season. I'm going to I'm gonna play devil's advocate on that one. I wanted a lot more out of George Russell this year. I know that that Williams is shit, but I was just expecting a little bit more out of him this year. It's fine. He's going to be at Mercedes next year. We saw him in the car. It made, it, it was like this moment. I was like, it's happening. It's really happening. He's, he, he's, it's it's happening. Like, that's all I could think about when I saw it. Um, but no, I wanted a little bit more out of George Russell this year, I'll be honest. He did secure his first podium at Spa P2. Mm, unfortunately, I was happy that he got a podium, but ugh, it felt like a fake podium in my mind. Katie and I have been teasing that we've been working on power rankings. And in my power rankings for this year, I've taken out Spa because I don't think it's an accurate representation of the year. So that's my thoughts. Spa did not happen in our books. Katie and I were actually just talking about maybe trying to get to Europe to go to a race. And <laughs> when she brought up Spa, it was like, there was like a twitch. Like, do we do, we, do, we do it? <laughs> we're not going to Spa. We'll just let all of you know now that we will not be at Spa. No. But I'm going to get us back on George because I think he had a phenomenal season. He had three Q3 appearances, one in Austria, one in Silverstone, and one in Sochi, where he scored third in qualifying. He also scored some points in Hungary, Italy, and Russia, which at one of those, he got a little teary-eyed. I believe it was in, no, excuse me, it was in Hungary because both of the Williams scored points. 
I will say Hungary was pretty impressive because that is the race that Latifi was at one point in third and he's like compromised my race for him like this is a big moment for us I love George Russell I'm hating on his season a little bit but I love him I think he's going to be amazing at Mercedes and really I was just kind of disappointed with Williams overall this year they had two double DNFs this season Imola and at Abu Dhabi and really we had a dismal end to the season um where we saw Latifi inadvertently decide the title fight, LOL, had to throw that in there. Not that I'm mad at him. It wasn't his fault at all. Um, fuck the FIA on that one. But no, I, I just I was expecting a little bit more out of them this year. I don't really know why I was. I just was kind of hoping. Fingers crossed, hoping for a better year for them. We kind of were talking about securing first podiums, and someone else who secured their first podium was Aston Martin. Sebastian Vettel took second place in Azerbaijan. That was the first podium ever for Aston Martin. So all in all, I don't think they had the greatest season, but they did have some highlights being, you know, Aston Martin back in the field for the first time. I think overall Vettel had a good year considering he was his first year at Aston Martin. Things just didn't really seem to click for Aston Martin this year. It felt like a lot of bad luck, especially that second place finish in Hungary that he was eventually disqualified from due to the lack of fuel to test at the end of the race. I don't know. It it felt like an unlucky year overall for Aston Martin, but we did see Sebastian Vettel take home our Crypto.com overtake award, winning with 132 overtakes for the year. While it wasn't a crown like Katie and I predicted, it wasn't a million dollars, it wasn't all these cool, exciting things, it was a stupid-looking trophy, the best part of him winning was Sebastian Vettel right at the end of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix on the radio was like, did we win the overtake thing? What is the prize? One million jelly beans? And I died. I just thought that was the funniest thing, and I'm kind of mad Crypto.com didn't go with it. Yeah, I think Crypto.com could probably afford to get Sebastian Vettel one million jelly beans. So I'd like to see that from you guys. It would be a better award than that weird looking trophy. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) And we have to talk about Landstroll because my favorite moment of the whole entire year had nothing to do with his racing. It was the meme that came out of Monaco when the... TV coordinators decided to show a replay of Lance Stroll scraping the barriers and running over the curbs instead of showing us the end result of this inc- of this incredible battle between Pierre Gasly and Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton. So we missed it on the ending. Lance Stroll turned into a meme, and that's what we got from him this season. <laughs> I mean, Stroll, I really like him as a driver. I think he had a relatively meh year. It wasn't a standout year. He got good points. His best moment was a sixth-place finish in Qatar. It was his highest finish of the year. It was an impressive drive. It was a near-perfect drive. Again, I was expecting a little bit more out of Aston Martin this year. I'm excited to see what they're going to bring to the table next year. I still love our Canadian Lance. Lance, one of a kind. I enjoy him. I don't want to see him leave Formula One anytime soon. And I think Aston Martin has a really good chance of really getting better over the next couple of years. They're investing a lot into the team itself. So I have all the hope in the world that they're going to do great. I mean, I genuinely think there's a potential that Lance Stroll will be the new Kimi Raikkonen with his absolutely silent responses and interviews. Lance doesn't say much, so he could be Kimi 2.0. The less great avoider of PR, but almost there. Yeah, I I could see that. (laughs) Okay, I want to talk about my favorite driver now. 
Go for it. Or my favorite driver of the day. But he's definitely been one of my favorite drivers of the season. And that is Pierre Gasly, the underdog in Formula One. The most underrated, the greatest thing that we have maybe seen at AlphaTauri slash the junior Red Bull team in the past couple of years. I think he's phenomenal. I don't really know if I need to add anything else to that introduction of Pierre Gasly. How about I just, I, you just, you hyped him up. I'll read some stats. Okay. His best finish was his podium in Azerbaijan. He had two P4 finishes, Mexico and the Le- Netherlands. He had two P5 finishes, Abu Dhabi and Hungary. It was unfortunate that his P5 finish in Abu Dhabi was basically ignored just like Yuki Sonoda's P4 finish in Abu Dhabi was basically an uh, basically went unnoticed, yeah. unappreciated, ignored, kind of like Carlos Sainz's podium. I mean, granted, there was a lot of other things to talk about, but um, I think AlphaTauri should have been hyped the fuck up because they went P4 and P5 in the last race of the year. Like, oh, child, literally the only one to point it out. In a, and I did that in our last episode. I have not heard anyone else talk about it. I've not seen it on tw- I've not seen it on Twitter. I've not seen it on Instagram. I've not seen it on Reddit. It's like, hey, they ended the year on a great high note. They really did. I, I mean, honestly, I think the only thing that I can say is that I had wished they had beaten out Alpine Renault. I think it would have been awesome to see Alvatari be able to take fifth place in the constructors because I do think that they had a lot of great moments this year. I don't think that they. They were just missing that last little piece. And I think of I, I think that was Yuki Sonoda, who I would say is the best rookie of the year. Um, I mean Amen. I mean there were only three rookies this year. But I, yeah. I'm a, I'm gonna say Yuki won the best rookie of the year. I do think that there were a lot of times when Yuki could have capitalized on some points and he didn't capitalize on those points. I think that he has a lot of work to do and I think We do see improvements thanks to his work with Alex Albon. So I I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of faith. I'm excited to see what the two of the what the two of them do next year. I would agree. I think Yuki, we could we were able to cut him some slack this year because it was his rookie year. But some of the silly mistakes or misfortunate happenings. I'm not going to have as much slack for him next year when those things turn up. But I think he had a decent year all around. And we have kind of referenced it, but in fifth place, we have Alpine Renault and the Constructors. They won the Alpine AlphaTauri battle due to some end-of-the-season nuggets of greatness, specifically Alonso's P3 finish in Qatar that saw him get a podium for the first time in how many years, Katie? Like seven? Seven? Eight? Seven. Eight? Seven years? Mm-hmm. The last time Fernando Alonso got a podium, Max Verstappen was not even racing in Formula One, which that stat, like, it's mind blowing. It it doesn't translate in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) He is one of our veterans and we saw him not only succeed in El Plan, but he took second place in the overtaking standings with 128 overtakes of the season fernando alonso's partner is esteban ocon who really performed this year i'm not gonna lie he had he had a decent season he won in hungary which was awesome to see and we saw him almost get a podium in saudi arabia he barely he almost so close so close he he could smell the cookies at the end of the race and then valtteri botas was like nope that's porridge it's mine 
Yeah, I um, I've never been a huge fan of Esteban Ocon. I think he is a great human. I think he's a great driver, but I don't know why. But something about him kind of has always grinded my gears. So I was pretty happy when uh, Valtteri came ahead and took that kind of last podium for him. But I am very happy that he was able to secure a P1 this year. Good for him. Proud of him. There's something about someone taking their first podium. I think it was just cool to see like another battle. Like we had one, two battling. We had three, four battling and we had five, six battling. And so those three individual battles this year were fun to watch. I felt at times I was rooting for AlphaTauri. I was rooting for Alpine. It, it was a cool year because, yes, a lot of the conversation which we partook in was about the title fight. We You had to talk about it. There was no not yeah. talking about how ridiculously spicy it was up front. But I think this f- battle for fifth place has like a special part in our hearts to talk about because Definitely. it's two teams that are solidly in the midfield and know that the best they're going to get is fifth and they're doing everything they can to achieve that. And that was fun to watch. Just I mean, right? Yeah. No, I I was very appreciative that there was not only the title fight that was happening this season, but we had that fight for fifth, and we also had that fight for third. Maybe it fell off a little there at the end with McLaren, but we saw a lot going on, and that honestly has gotten me so excited for next year because now we've built some new rivalries in the sport. And I think next year – we're going to see a lot more competition in terms of the constructors' standings. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping for it. And with that, I think we need to talk about my favorite team, if you haven't noticed, our boys in Papaya, McLaren. This year, we saw McLaren take the only 1-2 finish, the only P1, P2 of any team this year, which is crazy. We saw Ricardo and Norris in Monza with the 1-2. That is opposed to 2020 when we saw four 1-2 finishes, Hamilton, Botas, which is crazy to me. It's crazy that this year we had one and it wasn't Mercedes or Red Bull. It was McLaren. Very impressive. I mean, those Red Bulls and those Mercedes split each other up on the podiums all the time. But for McLaren to have that 1-2 in Monza, no less. And then we got the, and then we got to see the celebration that they had. That was probably the my be- my favorite gift of the whole season. Like that was a gift from the F1 gods to us McLaren fans. Oh, absolutely. It it has me so hyped for next year. It has me so hyped for McLaren. I think they're going to I I I've said this about every team. I hope that they do well next year, but I like genuinely personally outside of just rooting for Formula 1, I desperately need Lando Norris to win and Daniel Ricardo to be to be a touch more competitive, which I think is going to happen because Daniel Ricardo has been very open about this year, tearing, like breaking apart his driving style to actually learn why he's fast and where he can improve. So I have a lot of hope for my boy. And we have to remember it was his first year with McLaren. So you've got to get comfortable with the team. You have to get comfortable with the car. You have to get your grounding in this new family, which I think he finally found his family. So I'm very excited to see where he will be next year. He was a little up and down towards the end of the season. In the last eight races, he DNF'd in Brazil. He had four races out of the points. He did take P4 in Russia, and he had two P5s in both the U.S. and Saudi. I have not given up my hope on Daniel. I think next year we're going to see a completely new driver, but we'll just have to wait and see. I will say, though, that Lando Norris 
did have his best season we've seen from Lando, but it was just an unlucky season. I mean, talk Sochi, which is his best and worst moments came out of like one weekend, which is just heartbreaking to me. He had his first pole position in Russia and then come the race, he leads basically the whole thing until he makes that terrible call to stay out and slicks and just... That rain, that last minute rain in, in patches on the track. It, he just, I think that was just still being a relatively young driver and and risking it, which I can't fault him for because I think if I was like leading my first race, I'd be just like, get me to the end, get me to the end, get me to the end. I, I think I think he learned a lot from it. So best and worst moments at Sochi, but overall such a great season for Lando. Definitely. I think he will carry that with him, that moment, for probably the rest of his F1 career. And you live you live some, you learn some, and I can't wait to see what he does next year. He ended in sixth in the Drivers' Championship, scoring a total of 160 points. Would love to see him hit that 200 mark next year. Absolutely. Let's talk about his BFF, the other half of Carlando, Carlos Sainz, who I am going to say is also, along with Pierre Gasly, one of the most underrated drivers on the grid. I, for a long time, really didn't follow Carlos Sainz for a while. In the last, like, 10 races, I think I've been paying a lot more attention to him as a driver. I know I've been very critical that I did think he was a better driver than Charles, and I feel like I am vindicated and I have statistical proof to back that up. Carlos Sainz has the longest point streak in Formula One right now, getting earning points in 15 consecutive races. He had four podiums this year, outscoring Charles 4-1. to one. Unfortunately for Carlos, literally every single podium he's had has been overshadowed by a bigger, more important media event. (laughs) So, Katie, let's run him down. In Monaco, Carlos ended P2. Unfortunately, that was completely overshadowed by his partner, Charles Leclerc, the pole sitter who did not start after crashing on the qualifying lap. In Hungary, he had a P3 finish, but he literally only got P3 because Vettel was disqualified, and that was the talking point. Then we had Russia, we're here in P3, but again, completely overshadowed by Hamilton's 100th win after that last minute rain that we were just talking about. And then in Abu Dhabi, he also earned his fourth and final podium for the year in P3, and that was completely overshadowed by the title fight, Shit Show, and the FIA, and Michael Massey, and all of that drama. So he's great, but his greatness isn't often celebrated. When we do look at Leclerc, I I still see the potential in him. I still see the potential for him to be a great Ferrari driver, but we haven't seen it this year, and we didn't see it last year. I think he's kind of in a, I don't want to say a low point, but a midpoint in his F1 career. He spent a lot of time crashing, which could probably be related to some confidence issues, and I I think there's a lot more that he has to offer that he hasn't quite unlocked. Yeah, I I would 100% co-sign all of that and I will I am hoping that Ferrari does get a win in 2022 because 2021 is the second winless season for Ferrari in a row, which hasn't happened since 1992 and 1993. So hoping for something out of Ferrari next year. Okay. So, I know Megan won't want to discuss Max Max Ewell. <laughs> so I will. Um, let's get into Red Bull. 
Let's get into Red Bull Racing. They had an impressive year. Christian Horner finally achieved his dream, a world championship and a second driver to help out Max Verstappen, the great Sergio Perez. So I'll talk Max and Megan can hop in on Perez. But again, I've reeled these stats out to you guys, but he placed P1 or P2 in every single race unless he had a DNF or in Hungary when we had that little bowling incident in lap one. He had 10 P1s and 8 P2s. He hit pole position 10 times, and he had six of the fastest laps. He won the first sprint, gaining a total of seven sprint points throughout the season. And I have said this again multiple times this season. I have seen a different driver in Max than I have seen in past seasons. I am proud of his progress that he's made, and I think he did a great job this year fighting for the title and truly deserved to be right up there with Lewis Hamilton fighting until the last lap of the season. Let's talk about his other half, Checo. Christian Horner's dream in a second driver. I think he dreamed about a second driver more than he dreams about his wife, Ginger. I don't know. I always got to throw some jabs in there at Christian. That man boils my blood. Okay, back to Checo. Don't want to get sidetracked. This year, Checo scored 190 points, which is more points than he scored in the previous two years combined. He only had 125 points in 2020 and then 52 in 2019. So overall, very impressive year for him. He had five podiums, including a first place finish in Baku. And most importantly, and most memorable of the year was his P3 finish in Mexico, where he became the first Mexican driver to get a podium in their home race. So impressive, impressive, impressive year for him. He definitely deserved to be up there fighting. I think he has earned that spot in Red Bull time and time again. We saw that amazing defense of Lewis, amazing defense against Lewis Hamilton in Abu Dhabi. That that literally was the reason Max was able to to win. I'll, I'm, I'm gonna put it there. Period. End of story. Um, I, like I've said before, Max, you owe him a you owe him a bucket of tequila. You know, like maybe a boat of tequila. I don't know enough tequila for the next three months of tequila drinking. Um, But no, it was an impressive year. I'm happy for him. He is, I'm excited to see what he's going to do next year. I've said it twice now, so I'm going to stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the top 10 moments of the whole entire season for me was his win in Mexico and getting to see not only his dad celebrate in the way that his dad celebrated and be able to watch his son overlook Sergio be handed the trophy in the celebration. He has done an incredible job this season. I'm so happy that Red Bull chose to bring him to the team. And I truly think that Verstappen and Perez are a power duo that are just phenomenal. And I think they found their rhythm and they are going to be the ones to beat for years to come. And last but not least, winning their eighth title, their eighth championship, which is so impressive, is Mercedes. Which, unfortunately, we do have to again acknowledge that Valtteri and Hamilton's partnership has come to an end. They are the second winningest partnership, only behind Schumacher and Baccarello. So it is like an an end of an era at Mercedes, but I am beyond excited. Like, cannot express my excitement about the partnership between Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. I genuinely think that Lewis and George are going to be 
amazing together. And if for nothing less than Lewis Hamilton will will get an opportunity to not only like mentor a young driver, but will mentor a young British driver. I do think that Lewis Hamilton, I know that Lewis Hamilton has mentioned that he would love to see George Russell earn a title championship and be like the next Britain to do so, which I think is such a cool, uh, I just love that he says that about his future partner. I'm very excited for it. I do want to talk about Hamilton's best moment of the season. It was in Brazil. He started P10 to take the win after an impressive fight against Max. It was kind of a shit weekend. He got DQ'd from qualifying due to a DRS issue with the back wing. And he started the sprint in P20. He made it all the way up to P5. In how many laps was that, Megan? It was... I think it was like... Do you recall? Yeah, it was like 24 laps. He moved up 15 places in 24-ish laps, which is truly just incredible. Then he took a five-place grid penalty that would have him start at P10. And he went on to take the win. So that was definitely my highlight of Hamilton of the whole entire season. Really? I mean, that was the most impressive racing I have... Fuck, I feel like I've seen ever. It was just incredible to watch. But what I love about Lewis and why I'm such like a Lewis stan and whatever, say what you want about it, is he is the epitome of class. He is a class act. And if you don't have respect for his class, like you just are not classy at all. Like I'll just say it, say it there. He handled what happened at Abu Dhabi with grace. Him and his father handled that moment of... I can't even express what emotion they were feeling, but they handled it impeccably over the last cup over the last week. We've seen him kind of very quiet on social media. We saw him get knighted where he brought his mom to the knighting ceremony, which was amazing to see. We do know that him and Toto Wolf did not attend the FIA prize giving ceremony. I co-signed that message. I probably wouldn't have shown up either, but we do know that Lewis Hamilton won the FIA Personality of the Year Award. Additionally, he did win the DHL Fastest Lap Award for the year. While he and Max both had six fastest laps, Max's fastest lap in Azerbaijan didn't count because he ended the race in 18th, DNF'd. So he didn't actually earn that additional point. So it did go to Lewis. But no, I think we saw some of the best driving we've ever seen out of Lewis Hamilton. I cannot wait to see what he has next year, what he can offer us. I think it'll be cool to see him in a new car set up. And really, I mean, it was an impressive year from the seven-time world champion, who, by the way, scored more points this year than five of his other championship years. So, like, his racing is on point, so... I've said this for a couple of years now, but when I grow up, I want to be just like Lewis Hamilton. He champions the causes that he believes in. He always speaks up for what he believes is right. And as Megan said, he is a class act, and I am excited to see what we have in store until the end of his career because he just keeps getting better and better. And we would be remiss to not spend a little bit of extra time on our favorite Finn, who likes to spend his time naked in the saunas, Valtteri Botas, who who ended the year third in the drivers with 226 points. This is his fourth top three finish in his five seasons with Mercedes. He has a stat that Katie and I just learned. He is, has a 100% record of making it to Q3 and qualifying. 
He is a phenomenal driver, and I cannot wait to see how he leads the team at Alfa Romeo and spends his time and spends his time mentoring Zhao. I think that will be a cool dynamic. I'm interested to see what they're going to do. I, I, I'm not convinced that Alfa Rome, that Alfa Romeo isn't going to bring something to the table this year because Valtteri is a, is a phenomenal driver. I'm also not convinced that if Lewis Hamilton wasn't in the sport, Valtteri Bottas wouldn't have one or two titles, truthfully. I am 100% going to miss the duo of Hamilton and Botas. Valtteri deserves the world next year. He deserves a stellar car, a team that supports him. And I think he just deserves for the first time to be in that leader position within the team. So I wish him all the best next year. And I cannot wait to see what happens because I've never seen Valtteri outside of Mercedes. Me either. Bring on 2022. And I think, Katie, this this might officially bring 2021 to a close in my brain, in our books, for the Dirty Driving Duo. And we are so incredibly thankful for all of you that have listened, supported, carried us through this season. We are so lucky to be able to do this and talk about something that we love. I know Megan and I are already counting down the days until the 2022 season starts we might have a couple surprises for you in the off season, but until next time, stay dirty. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Dirty Driving Pot on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stay dirty.